0: What's up? My name is Josiah Haken and I've been working with homeless folks for over a decade. I'm convinced that one of the biggest reasons we have not been able to solve the homelessness crisis in our country is because we fundamentally do not understand why it happens or what or can be done about it. In this podcast, I'm going to interview friends of mine who have experienced homelessness firsthand, experts who have spent years of their lives trying to provide services and resources to their unhoused neighbors. And advocates and theologians who will help us think differently about the issue altogether. You are not going to agree with everyone I interview on this podcast. You may not even agree with me, and that is okay. Let's throw out our assumptions and consider the possibility that maybe there is more to this story than we previously thought. Welcome to the Neighbors with No Doors podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, friends, family, and acquaintances, we are here back on the Neighbors with No Doors podcast. I am Josiah Haken, and I am so excited, thrilled even, for the opportunity to have a conversation with one of my dear, dear friends who I worked with in the streets for many years. Um, this is someone who I uh, aff- affectionately call the Finnish warrior princess uh, when she started working at, in New York City uh, with the organization that is now called City Relief. Um, she was an intern and had no, barely any idea of how to speak English, but yet she followed the call to New York City to work in the streets um, with men and women who are experiencing homelessness And then a few years later, I came along and um, ended up having the pleasure of working with her. Uh, And then she moved up in our organization and became the New York City Outreach Director. Um, And then, due to a series of what I thought was unfortunate events, uh, found her way back to her home country in Finland, um, where she has launched uh, her own mobile outreach program uh, to folks who are in the streets. And so it is... Such a joy, uh, and such a pleasure to welcome Johanna, the Finnish warrior princess to this podcast. Welcome, Johanna. How are you doing today?
1: Thank you, Josiah. Thank you. I am well today. We have a ton of snow here in Finland. We just had a storm over the weekend and I was out on the street today with some friends. So it's been a good day so far.
0: Amazing. So the, how, basically what I'm doing, and I'm starting out every conversation on this podcast with, with a really, really simple question because I want people to get kind of a framework for like how folks like us and, and others get engaged in the issue of homelessness. So my first question I'd love to have you, you know, talk a little bit about is looking back on your life, what was your first introduction to the reality of homelessness? Like, can you remember the first time it occurred to you Wow there are people who don't don't have places to sleep, don't have a, a home to sleep in and, and what what that did to you when you first encountered it?
1: Yeah, I remember that really well actually. Um, I was maybe 16 years old and I was at this like youth event in another city than where I used to live at. It was a bigger city, not like very big, not Helsinki, not the capital, but one of the bigger cities in Finland. And I was there with my friends. We stayed at this school where we ate our dinners and we slept in the school. And um, we had had our dinner and we were heading for the event and we left the school. And we saw that in the backyard of the school, there was a guy um, going through the garbage of the school. And I was like, we kind of all stopped and like, maybe he's actually looking for food. And they were like, we just had a plate full of food inside. And we're like, hey, let's go and get some food. We didn't approach him at that point. We just went ahead and got a plate of food. And then we went back there and he was still there. And we just we really didn't know what to say. (laughs) We're just these teenagers. And we just kind of approach him and we're like, excuse me. And he turns around and we're like, are you hungry? And he's like, yeah, I'm actually like looking for something to eat. And we're like, hey, here's a plate of food for you. And he just I remember his eyes, he was very like kind, his eyes were like blue and just very like warm and kind. And he just looked at us and he said, thank you. And then he did uh, one more, like one liner. And he's like, when you're poor, you got to be humble. And we're like, "Um, uh, okay, Um, have a good day. Bye, (laughs) you know, and then we went on to the event. But I just remember that so clearly it was my first introduction to the reality of somebody, you know, I don't know if it was homeless. He, you know, could have been, and just in Finland and it was even, um, it was springtime, but it wasn't very warm yet and just looking for food through the garbage. And that was why my first introduction to the reality that some people live in. That's,
0: it's so interesting to me because it's, it's funny how those conversations and those interactions, Stick with us, right? Mm-hmm. Like they, 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 become these moments that are um, sort of fork in the road moments where we realize, sort of, that our world and our experience is not the same world and the same experience that other people are living in, exactly. even if they're, even if they're around the corner, even if they're mm-hmm. from the same country or in the mm-hmm. same space. Um, I know, you know, for me, as you know, I growing up in Africa, I always kind of mm-hmm. felt, you know, sort of distinct and separate. From the needs of the people around me, because I was just different—I was an American, mm-hmm. a white guy, white mm-hmm. kid—in uh, a you know in a, in a in Cameroon, you know, completely different culture, completely different um, experience, and so it was easy, I think, for me to separate myself from the experience, from the people that I saw mm-hmm. every day.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but then that kind of changed for me when I came back to the U.S. <laughs> And started realizing, like, oh wow, this isn't—it's not just a an Africa developing world issue. This is a, mm-hmm. a, a national, this is a global issue that there mm-hmm. are people everywhere who,
1: mm-hmm.
0: who are struggling. So I just, I just think it's interesting how those experiences just stick in our minds um, mm-hmm. if if we allow them to. I think some people, you know, will, will tend to just dismiss them. But mm-hmm. um, anyway, I really appreciate you sharing that story. Um, how so? How did you get? and You don't have to go into all the details, but. I mean, you were in, you're, you're in Finland. Um, you know, how did you get to New York City, of all places? And then even more you know, curious is how did you end up working with an organization that drives retrofitted school buses into the streets and tries to connect men and women in the street to resources and hope?
1: Hmm. Well, um, it is also an interesting story. I, I was very young. I had just graduated from school. I had worked um, for one year and then I was like, I feel like it's time to actually do something else uh, to go abroad. And I had been to Africa, Namibia, uh, to do my practical studies working with kids. And that was kind of like, well, I'll just go there because they said I can go back and I can work there. Um, So that was kind of an interest of mine. Uh, But then I went to the movies, like didn't think anything of it. I went to the movies with one of my friends. And the movie was called Finding Forrester. And it's a story of a, of a, of a boy who lives in the, grows up in the South Bronx. And it was interesting and I really liked the movie. And I was like, ah, like, I feel like I would like to visit there one day. And it's just a thought. And then a couple of months later, I read an article about the work that the Relief Bus, the City Relief nowadays does. And also does it in the South Bronx. I was like, huh? And the article was written by a, a Finnish woman. So I was like, hey, let me send her an email. I sent her an email and she's like, hey, maybe you should come and intern with us. And that was really a strange thought because I was like, I always thought I would go to a village in like Africa or somewhere else and live there, you know, barefoot and just like chill life and, and small community. And I'm like, New York City, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a little different. <laughs> and it was like... A, you know an odd odd reality but i there was there was life in it i was like this this i have to i have to do this and i struggled a little i uh i questioned it and but then one day i remember i was in the church and the sun was just shining through the window and it just settled i was like i gotta go there i gotta go to new york city i gotta into do an internship with the uh, with city relief and and see what what happens so yeah, it was a and, surprise to me, too. And then, and, like, after less than a month after 9-11, I found myself on the streets of New York City. So
0: so you came to New York City less than a month after 9-11. Yeah, uh, 7th,
1: 7th of October, 2001. Wow. Was, I remember the date.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. it doesn't, doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> and when, I mean... And how, how many years did you end up, I mean, just cumulatively, so not like, you know, I had to go back and forth a lot, but over the stretch of time, how many years did you work in, in New York City with with our organization and, and, you know, in the streets with folks who are struggling?
1: Well, I did go back and forth quite a many times because of visa stuff and all, but altogether I ended up working there about 10 years. And it was in the time span of 15 years. Yeah. It so was always a couple of years spent here and then. Um, over there so but 10 years altogether
0: 10 years and I and I would love so looking back um, you know now being having been outside of it for a few years um, and I I can't wait to get to the work that you're doing now in Finland but just to hover a minute on the New York side of things Mm -hmm. what were you know what were some of the like what were some of the favorite the things you you experienced that really stick with you that you're going to carry with you about the people that we that we serve Uh, the communities that we serve um yeah what 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 sticks with you the most and what was the the you know the the reality that you got to be a part of with for that stretch of time for that 10-year period um with with the men and women who are experiencing homelessness in the streets of new york
1: there are very 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 many experiences (laughs) that are you know wrapped in that time and uh I even preparing for this, you know, I got to thinking about all of the friends, all the people that I met, and it is just, I I don't even know if I can pinpoint one thing (laughs) that I learned, but just, I think, um, overall, like it was very, it was very like being city relief, and also doing the outreach and getting to know people, um, struggling with homelessness. Uh, it, it's just, I think that like family is the word that comes mm-hmm. to my mind, which is, you know, with with everybody, you know, it's um, I don't know. That's just the word that comes to my mind, being the part of part of the team, being part of outreach team. Uh, going to the same locations every week, meeting the same people every week, getting to really know them, letting, um, letting people get to know me. You know, from Finland, when you come, you're kind of like maybe kind of shut off at first. But then, you know, being there and seeing people and learning their stories kind of like helped me to share my own and really connect in a in a deeper level. So family is like the word that comes to my mind. And that's what I also miss most uh, Mm. from New York. People, they used to ask me like, why do you go to New York so often? Like, I'm like, yeah, New York is a great city. It is. It's a beautiful city. It has great buildings, um, history, all that. But it's like, I was like the buildings, you see them once and that's that. But people, there's always something new. There's always Mm. something you can learn. And that's the beauty of it. And that's what I really also miss, you know, yeah. not being able to come there for a couple of years now because of COVID, it's really, it pains me because there is a lot of folks that I would like to, you know, connect a lot of family yeah. there.
0: Absolutely. So, so and, and what we're, I mean, there, there's a world of difference between acquaintance, um, beggar, poor ma- poor person, homeless person and family. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm in terms of our I think stereotypes and the way we Mm -hmm. think about those Mm -hmm. issues I'm just curious like what were some of the the stereotypes or the assumptions that you made or maybe didn't mean to make but just were brought up thinking about when you first started working in New York and then how did those sort of stereotypes if there were any how did they get sort of broken down how did you how did they change in terms of your time of just being with people
1: I guess one kind of like stereotype that I had was that um, the people struggling uh, with homelessness or with addictions, that they would be somehow different, you know? Um, Of course, we are all unique with our own personalities, but but somehow different, like different from me, uh, different from the rest of us. And um, as I got to know them, it's we're not different we had the same same um sorrows same joys uh different maybe different struggles different backgrounds but still same desires and just very very many similar things (laughs) in our lives you know so it's like it's not they were not different they were just like you and me you know Mm -hmm. so that was i guess One of the, one of the things, um, I never really felt like fear or, or things like that towards, uh, people on the streets, but the, the feeling of, of being different, um, that was, I think one of the, one of the biggest ones that I, I didn't even know that I had until Mm. I got to know people and I was surprised by those things. And I was like, why am I surprised? I think it's because I had that thought. That they are somehow different than from me for example
0: well one of the things i had the the joy of doing is leading outreach with you many 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 times um and i remember one of the one of the things used to always tell our volunteers uh when we got on our outreach vehicles and we were about to drive into the city and, and serve that i still use and i still uh tell people and teach and train the teams that we have now to reinforce is just what you said is that there is no us and them. Mm-hmm. There's just us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember hearing you say that line and it just stuck with me because it was so uh, powerful and it was so insightful, I think to what you just described as someone coming from Finland to New York mm-hmm. and working with homeless folks and still being able to identify the, the sort of the universality of the us mm-hmm. that we are, the same, even though we're different, that there, we, like you said, we have the same like desires and and longings. And, and just, you know, we want to, we want to have our needs met and and we want to take care of our families and we want to, you know, provide for ourselves. And we want to be able to, to, to thrive and and live a life that has laughter in it. And Mm -hmm. um, these are, these are just universal, you know, realities and, and it's true there is no us and them there there's just us so I've, i just want to thank you for that because that was something that's really stuck with me over the years mm-hmm. and i still like i said i still use it all the time because it's <laughs> so powerful
1: mm-hmm.
0: um so again sad sad sadly for me um due to some visa issues and and other you know other events that uh, have led to um Probably better things for you in terms of your family and, and where you are, oh, yeah. um, but you ended up moving back from New York uh, to Finland, mm-hmm. and and then you started your own organization that's very similar. Tell us a little bit about that organization um, mm-hmm. and what you do and um, and how it works.
1: Mm-hmm. <coughs> yeah, it was interesting. Six years ago <coughs> is now. <coughs> sorry. <coughs> When I moved back here and um, I was kind of wondering when I moved back, I was like, what am I supposed to do here? Like, it's great to be home. There is some benefits to that. I had just gotten married. That was awesome. But I was like, what's my, what's my uh, purpose in here? What am I supposed to do? And then I, I was just praying about it one day. I felt God saying that, Hey, that, that, that the mission hasn't changed, just the location. And I started hanging out at the train station Monday nights. I took two hours. I was like, I'm going to stay there for two hours. Let's see what happens. And it's surprising when you go to the train station just to stay there for two hours, walk around, look people into the eye. How many conversations you can, you know, strike up. It was amazing. And I was in Finland where I thought that people like really never want to, you know, talk to you because they are very private. Um, So that was surprising. I started doing that, uh, then other people wanted to donate coffee that we could give out the people that we n- met there and some snacks because, you know, a lot of people were hungry. And um, then other people said that they wanted to come with me. They wanted to start volunteering and I was like, okay. So we did like every other Friday night, we were there for one year. And then we got a grant to actually start like a, a larger outreach even. And that's what I've been doing now, uh, for three and a half years now. And we have, it's kind of like city relief, but smaller in many, many scales. We have a van, we go to different, three different locations in Helsinki. Go to East of Helsinki, and then we go to South and North. We always stay three hours per location and we still have coffee and snacks and, uh, we do just Very much uh, similar work that the City Relief does. Very um, much focus on connections, just getting to know people, building trust, and then hopefully referring them to places of help if they have any needs. So that's what we are doing now. And it's just to me, I always like to tell it kind of like from the beginning because it started with such small steps. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I had no idea what I'm doing. I'm just going to go to the train station two hours a week and see what happens and now we're here that we have the vehicle and we have the donors and we have the volunteers and then uh we do three out three outreaches per week so it's pretty pretty amazing (laughs) i'm i'm really really happy i i think i found my uh purpose of being here
0: (laughs) that's incredible and i had the the pleasure of joining you guys on a few outreaches in helsinki a few years back uh-huh. Um, and it was, it was beautiful. I mean, again, there's, it's, there's, there's something so beautiful about the simplicity mm-hmm. of, of just like, I, I know, as, as you know, uh, Richard Galloway, the founder of, uh, City Relief, um, likes to say that God only uses one kind of person, uh, the kind that shows up.
1: Yep. Yep. <laughs> I've, I've shared that many times in our, you know, at our church and for our volunteers, it's like, Hey, you know, it's there, that's only that's the only qualification is that you yeah. show up and then the rest, <laughs> is, you know, the rest is in God's hands. So it's so very good. simple. It's so easy.
0: <laughs> yeah. So so from a homelessness standpoint, I, I, again, you have a for those of also for people listening that may not know this Helsinki or, or sorry, Finland um, is sort of known in the homelessness world uh, in terms of advocacy world, in terms of policy. Um, Finland is sort of known as the trailblazer or the sort of one of the original countries to Establish what is commonly referred to as housing first Mm -hmm. Um, basically this principle that says that um, instead of requiring uh, Sobriety or mental health treatment or action steps before getting someone into a place to live you get them into a place to live first and then you work on on the other things and um you know i can i just know that um though I, I recently did an interview with somebody and uh and it was interesting because they asked me my opinion because they said well what's the what's your full philosophy in terms of housing first or treatment first mm-hmm. and i told them i was like listen i love housing first i believe in housing first i think that for a large portion of the homeless population housing first is the way to go like i I know people who all they if you give them an apartment Mm -hmm. they will genuinely be fine that would be the Mm -hmm. end they they will they will thrive they will succeed Mm -hmm. um and that's all the only thing stopping them from living a a full and sustainable life Mm -hmm. Um, and so i'm definitely in favor of housing first now Mm -hmm. but then i said but i'm not in favor of housing only Mm -hmm. And I, I said there's a distinction in my view that says, like, like philosophically, I think that governments and, and societies should practice housing first. I think that's a, mm-hmm. a, 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 the best approach on a macro level, mm-hmm. um, because I find a whole lot of issues with the treatment first approach um, on a macro level, because so many people fall through the cracks mm-hmm. who don't have to. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason I'm saying all this is because in the article that's actually was that was published recently is, Uh, It kind of gave the impression, because I said I believe in housing first, but I don't believe in housing only, Mm -hmm. um, it it kind of made this almost appear like I'm endorsing treatment first approaches, Mm -hmm. um, which is not fully accurate. I I think, Mm -hmm. um, like I said, I'm I'm fully engaged, I fully affirm housing first, but there's also this reality where people need more than Mm -hmm. housing, they need community, they need Mm treatment they need jobs they need uh, you know support systems so anyway all that to say that little lecture i just gave in the last few minutes finland is a housing first uh country it also is um you know has socialized medicine um there's 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 access to health care that people are entitled to um that they're not in the u.s um and so this is why i thought it'd be perfect to talk to you a little bit johanna about the difference Uh, having worked 10 years in new york city helping people uh, who are experiencing homelessness and now six years in helsinki and in finland um, what are some of the key differences that you see in terms of homelessness um, and the realities that people are are dealing with and what are some of the similarities? And one of the things that you're like, this is a universal thing. I see the same thing in Harlem mm-hmm. that I see in Helsinki. Mm-hmm. So But start with the differences. What are some of the differences that you uh, get to experience?
1: Yeah. And even before I start that, I want to comment on your uh, your speech there. Because yeah. uh, I actually just yesterday was reading about um, like a kind of like initiative within the housing, work, uh, housing first. Um, and it was exactly kind of like what you said um it had ideas on like how to those people who are in the housing how to actually engage them in different like work programs um to have maybe like a cafeteria downstairs that they can work in and like it it had such great ideas um to actually because i know a lot of people who are um they are housed but they're still kind of like on the streets uh, mentally, and they live their lives on the streets, they, they hustle, they use, they're kind of like within that world, but they just have a place to go and crash. But to actually start to, to, to have to offer a community, to offer groups, to offer work things, you know, like it's uh, it sounded like amazing. It was um, I think they it was done by many different like organizations here in Finland getting together and kind of like dreaming about what, it, what more could housing mm-hmm. First, be, and I was like, "Yeah, this is so good, <laughs> you know." Awesome. Um, so I hope we are moving into that and making the the housing first um, accommodations more than just that, but actually mm-hmm. also having having more things there for people to attain to and really start like building their lives on. So yeah, just wanted to share well, that great. because I thought it was such a you know. It's just you described it so well. It was just what you kind of like described that there should be. And I hope it's coming.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> Here awesome. too.
1: But um, difference is I, I, you know, I was I was thinking about this and um, I feel like in, in New York City, um, I, I met quite a few people who had been homeless for quite a many years, like even de- decades. Um, so it's been a long, long, long journey for them. Uh, And then when I think in Finland, I really, uh, I just only know one person who had been homeless for 11 years. And that was also due to the fact that he um, was too shy uh, to go and get any help from any place. Um, But thankfully, then he came to us because we are right there where the people are, and we were able to help him. So it was really great. But um, other than that, there is not really homeless uh, people with that many years. Um, on that road here and I think it has to do something with the the housing first has to do something with that and of course we have like at least in New York City when I still was there (laughs) you had the big intake shelter that you had to go through to get in the system um, and nobody really wants to go there Um, it's kind of the same thing in here we have a big uh, center where if you go there then you get Put in the system and then down the road you might be able to get an apartment through there but then there's also options like there is an outreach team that is out on the streets um that really is putting people signing people onto that list the waiting list for the housing and they can just stay on the street to the day they get their place so, they don't have on, to t-
0: sorry this is that's mind-blowing i have to interrupt <laughs> so you're telling me this is genius you're telling me that a person doesn't have to go into the warehouse where they just sit and check in and wait and sleep every night mm-hmm. while they wait for the apartment or the housing that becomes available, that they can actually wait for that where like the, the image I get is like when you go to a restaurant and you sign up at the, at the, mm-hmm. at the desk and you put your name on the list mm-hmm. and they give you that little buzzer. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you can go anywhere you want within shot of that buzzer going off. Mm -hmm. And then when the buzzer goes off, you walk in and you get your table. Mm -hmm. Um, But you're saying it like that's that's how Finland actually helps people get housing is they don't have to sit in a warehouse they don't want to be in and have to follow Mm -hmm. all these rules to curfews and Mm -hmm. surviving fights and stuff like that. They can just wait until their apartment becomes available
1: they can they can just do that and then the outreach team also is regularly checking in on them taking care of their health uh making sure they're okay like they they have a like a like a relationship with the outreach team and just usually if they have their usual spot that they usually are that's where they find them or if they have a phone um they can be connected through that but yeah that's one of the really really awesome things you know and then some people, they do want to go, they prefer going to um, like one of those kind of shelters where you get your own room and some of your own privacy and they just wait there to get their own apartment, um, especially because of the brutal cold winters we have. But yeah. some people really do, they don't want to enter the system and they are just encounter where they are and they are waiting on the waiting list. And when the apartment comes, then they just are able to move in, you know. Which I think it's it's amazing. <laughs> you know? That's incredible.
0: And and how about the the outreach teams? Are they able to give, like, if someone chooses um, to say, "I don't want to go into the the system just yet. I want to wait for my apartment." Um, while you know, while I'm outside, um, are those outreach teams able to give those people supplies or or things mm-hmm. they need, um, mm-hmm. like to to hold them over until that time that their apartment comes available? Like, can they give them like Socks or blankets or yep. food.
1: Yep. Yep. Is that something they're they
0: allowed are, to
1: do? They are allowed to do that, and then um, and then they have the medical person in the team. That if there is a medical need that the person has, they can also address that. Um, so it's very, it's a really really nice. And there is many like um, I think now because of COVID, there has been a lot of um, like organizations that used to just work indoors and have like, you know, drop-in centers and stuff. Now that they've been closed, they had a lot of staff that just goes on the outreach and just goes where the people are, bring them some food, um, talk to them, see if they can, you know, if they can help them connect them to resources. So that's been a really um, nice move that they did that the people weren't just like, Left hanging and all the doors are closed, but they actually went out and went to them. So, a lot of organizations do that, but I think the one of the greatest is the the waiting line, um, the housing kind of like waiting outreach. That if you're on the line, if you're signed up, we'll we'll try to take care of you until you get your place.
0: And what's the what's the police involvement? Do does, do these outreach teams travel around with an armed Police officer uh, everywhere they go, and do they, you know, do the police uh, are they, you know, working side by side with these social workers and outreach team members to to make sure that if anyone's unruly, they need to get you know put handcuffs on and, and locked away. How does how, how does the, how does police involvement work with uh, outreach in Finland?
1: It's it's not they're not really involved. Um, I hope they were involved in a sense that. They could also connect people i th- i think that would be like awesome if they actually had like they just bring people into you know what they call it sobering station if you're too drunk they just bring you there to sober or if you you know if you've done something then you're gonna be locked up but to actually like have the police involved in a way that they could bring you to a trapping center or somewhere else where you could get help, you know, that would be the nice involvement of the police, but I don't think they're doing that, <laughs> but yeah, the, the, the outreach teams, they usually go out in pairs. Um, and even like the city of Helsinki provides, uh, an outreach team for the people who are otherwise unreachable, um, through the office hours and stuff. Um, so they have eight people, uh, two per like north east southwest um, so yeah
0: so tell me do you, how big how many people are in Helsinki do you know I like the total population I don't uh, it's, just the six it's, bit.
1: it's getting closer to 600,000 okay yeah only in Helsinki I think it's more like 500,000 but if you count like the surrounding espo and Vanta I think it's closer to 600
0: <clears throat> Um. And how many do, do you have any idea of how many people they estimate are um, without stable housing in,
1: Well I in think area? in Finland the estimate is well I'm so bad with numbers it's either in Finland or in Helsinki but if it's in Finland even most of the the, the unhoused population is in Helsinki because mm-hmm. the services and this general area but I would say it was the number was under five thousand 4 thousand something okay the latest
0: and from your experience what is sort of the you know the leading like from the people that you're serving and engaging with i you know, i'm i'm really you know me i'm not i'm hesitant to say like oh this is what leads to homelessness but if you can drive, if you can i know every situation every story is different and so that's and that's one of the things i want to emphasize for this podcast mm-hmm. um so i'm not trying to do the opposite here but like <laughs> What are some of the issues or some of the things that you feel from your experience are keeping people in the street in specifically in Finland?
1: Well, one thing that I've, I've encountered a lot is that um, people have like a kind of like unpaid de- rent debt mm. that shows in there like under their social security number. They, they just have like that. Kind of like, I don't know if it's the same thing as kind of like credit score. You have bad credit score. Uh, You have that. And then um, if you have that, usually um, people, at least private people, and even different organizations, they won't rent you an apartment because you have outstanding debt in that specific area. You can have debt in other areas of your life, and it's not maybe an obstacle. But if you have outstanding debt in the rent, Um, area of your life that's one of the biggest even if the uh, we call it kela it's the i have to see the english here it's the social insurance institution of finland and it's a government agency that provides basic economic economic security for everybody living in finland so even if kela is willing to pay your rent you still have that outstanding debt there to kind of like be a barrier for you to get the housing. But then a a person that I know, a a friend of mine, um, he came up with this idea and now it's actually very widely used. It's called the middle renting system. So it means that an organization can rent an apartment from a private owner and then take an insurance on it and then rent it to a, a, a homeless person that they know of. Um, So they are kind of like responsible for the apartment. They're responsible for the renting and the insurance and all that. And then they can rent it to a person who um, otherwise wouldn't be able to get it. So they're kind of like the middleman in that sense. And I think it's, I love it. I love it. Brilliant. It's because when I started here, it wasn't in effect yet. Uh, Six years ago, it was just kind of like in the works. And I met so many people who were homeless. Just, they were like, Gela would pay my rent. Like I have a secure rent payer. It's the government. But since I have this outstanding debt, I won't get the, the apartment. But now that you have the middleman that can just rent and kind of like take responsibility of it, then a lot more people are comfortable in renting to people. They might not normally kind of like rent, so.
0: That's genius! I love that. I, yeah. I and that's where I love. I love the creative solutions that that people are coming up with, or you know, all around the world to, to try to mm-hmm. f- make a way through the b- yeah. bureaucratic, you know, yeah. mess. Because
1: that has been one of the biggest. It's like people don't feel comfortable renting to people who have, you know, they have that in their past and they haven't been able to pay it, um, but now they have a, a way of of getting their own place. So it's, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. So it's, it's, it's um, it's helped the situation quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's incredible. So, um, I know, I mean, you and I, I would love to just talk to you for hours about this stuff. Um, but I have, I want I wanted to ask you a couple more questions before we sure. kind of wrap up, but like the one, two things is like, I would love for you to share one of the most impactful stories that you remember. Um, from your work in the streets in new york and then a story from your work in helsinki um yeah so let's start then i'll have two more just wrap up questions after that but i want to hear what when you when you think back of like tell us a story about someone uh that is meaningful to you or that really left a mark on your on your heart um from new york and also from helsinki
1: yeah Well, in New York, uh, there are many stories and uh, it was just so hard to pick just one. And um, I love how I was able to really uh, like connect with the the ladies, um, especially in Harlem. I have a lot of a lot of stories with some of the ladies in Harlem uh, that I was able to connect with and see what happened in their lives. But I think I just have to share um, the story of my friend Megan from Harlem because she's, you know, still my friend. I keep in touch with her and I'm inspired by her story still (laughs) to this day uh, and what's happening in her life. But I remember I talked with her in Harlem uh, on the street corner of 124th and Park Avenue. She was uh, living in the shelter in South Bronx, uh, being, you know, in in addiction still. And. uh, And then she just told me, she's like, hey, I dreamed that uh, one day I could live back in New Jersey on like a farm, like or like in a house that would be close to a horse farm and just have my life in there. And I was like, I really wanted to believe in that, too. I was like, I want to believe that it's possible. But in my like, in my mind, I just like I just couldn't see it in that moment. Like I was like, that's so far. From where we are at right now, um, but then, now what? Six years later, she has a family. Um, she's married, beautiful kids. They have their house in kind of like the countryside of New Jersey, and then she's running a program for the ladies to get off sh- the street. And I'm like, this is this is just like it's like day and night. It's it's a total oh. difference. Um, in in her life and it's just I don't know it it blows me away Uh, and I just I so vividly remember that conversation in the corner Uh, and I remember even my own doubt (laughs) I'm like "Uh, uh, you know I hope that this will happen you know so then that's it and it's also a good lesson for me to be like anybody everybody has a chance everybody does you know it's like we never know who's gonna you know Kind of like come out of it, come yeah. out of the 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 just the the circle of being in you know in the shelters and on the street and all that, to actually have a home and to have a family and and all that. It's it's just everybody has a it's it's possible for everybody. And yeah, I have to remember that too.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> so. I, love, I love I love the I love the you know just the ability to dream. I mean I, I think one of I was I was meeting with uh, some potential donors yesterday and uh, we were talking about um, they were expressing frustration that they didn't necessarily want to invest in people who were too far gone or not who were not mm-hmm. um, ready to take responsibility and mm-hmm. actually move forward because it, it feels from an investment standpoint that they're just
1: mm-hmm. throwing
0: money into the wind um, mm-hmm. and you know I, and I, there's a lot of a lot of people who feel that way and I I, I, I recognize that that that's a reality, right? Um, but then I got to explain a little bit to them about the different, the, the the fine line between despair and and disinterest um, mm-hmm. or or laziness. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, despair and disinterest, you know, really look similar. They present with similar realities, similar mm-hmm. dynamics. If someone is is disinterested. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't want help. I don't want, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to get, you know, yeah, to keep mm-hmm. your socks, keep your food, keep your mm-hmm. shelters, keep your case management. I don't, I'm not interested. I'm good. I'm good out mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, and there's this mentality with that that says, oh, they're just, they don't, they're not even interested in help. Why would I want to help someone who doesn't even want to help themselves? Um, and I got to explain to them though, that, that, that to me is actually more of a symptom of despair. Mm -hmm. where they've tried so many things Mm -hmm. to get off the street they've tried so many things to get help and they failed again Mm -hmm. and again and again Mm -hmm. and there's this dynamic where if you've tried something over and over and over and over again you reach a point where you're like it actually hurts more Mm -hmm. to try and fail Mm -hmm. than it does to just give up Mm -hmm. um because it's better, like it's in your in my mind. It's like, well, it's, why bother trying? And save my energy and just make the make the best of a terrible situation. And just like anytime someone comes around, be like, you know, what, no, I'm good. I don't really want your, you know, whatever. Um, which to me is not a sign of disinterest. It's actually more of a sign of despair. And so I just love the like the fact that Megan um, was still dreaming. Like mm-hmm. in that in that moment, she was st- even in that difficult, stressful. Mm-hmm. A, just a incredibly challenging situation. She still was able to dream, mm-hmm. yep. um, and I think that that's a key thing that you know helping people dream mm-hmm. um, when all their dreams have become nightmares. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, and, I just love that. Love that story. And,
1: yep. And what I, what I even do to kind of like ignite the dreaming? And that's why I think it's so important for us who who engaged with the people who are on the streets that we never start dreaming even like for them, you know, that we actually see it in them that it can be possible and maybe we can ignite that. That has been kind of like shut down and, and, yeah. and burned out and all that. Maybe we can ignite it and be like kind of like awaking those thoughts and dreams, um, hopefully with our yeah. actions and in when we engage with people. So that's so- that's always great if it happens.
0: So, how about Finland? Has there anybody? How about anybody in, in Helsinki that you've been working with that sort of sticks with you or that inspires you to keep keep going?
1: There is a, there is quite a few in here now too since uh, we've been out there for a while, but I think since I already started telling about that one um, one guy who'd been homeless for eleven years, I'll just finish that story. Yeah. But um, it was great. He he came. He was so hesitant. He. Kind of like at a coffee work first and then he's like maybe like can i maybe talk with you and i was like yeah sure come on in and he came into our van and he had actually been talking with my co-worker the week before and he's like i was here a week ago and it was really nice and i i dared to come back and so we got into talking and he was he had been working um most of his life he had got, he got a little um little pension that he could like maybe He sometimes used it to sleep at a hostel for a couple of nights or then maybe buy food, but he had no belongings. He just had the clothes that he was wearing and he was retired. So he was older and um, he had never, I was like, Hey, have you been to like to eat at the soup kitchen or like, have you been sleeping in this shelter? And he's like, no, I've been nowhere. I've gotten help from nobody. And he hadn't been eating a warm meal like for 11 months when I met him. And I was like, that's 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 crazy. But he's just like tried to, you know, save his money to to let it like go through the whole month until he gets the next check. And uh, it was just kind of amazing, you know, how he'd been surviving. But then he was out of money. It was kind of cold night coming. Um, and I was like, Hey, there is this great, um, shelter It's actually run from the, from the church and it's, you can't go there if you're intoxicated at all. Like it's a safe place. There's nobody's drunk, nobody's nothing. You know, you can just go there. And he, for three hours, he was kind of like thinking about it. And then he was even to me, he's like, if it's a bad place, then it's on you. And I was like. No, no As pressure. far as I know, it's a good place. <laughs> and, I, and I suggest that you still go there. It can be on me then. And uh, it was very just serious and like kind of like pondering it. And in the end, he's like, okay, I'll go there. So I was like, okay, I'll take you there. It's very really close here. We finish. I'll take you there. I took him there. He went in. And then the week after, I actually uh, took another friend of mine, um, took him there for the night. And when I was taking him there, I just saw this older guy standing there in the background and he's just like this. (laughs) And I was like, that's great. (laughs) I'm not to blame now, but it's just like just the fact of like being there, being like no, no building, no nothing. You don't have to come. You can just come and have a cup of coffee and let's talk. And then the kind of like the fruit of that was that he had to play and he had been there for a week. So I guess. It was an okay place for him to be yeah Um, and he was also like in the midst of everything else he was very lonely um, being out on the street for 11 years on your own um, really not having anybody um, and then finding a kind of like a place to stay there and hopefully a community Um, so that's one of the Mm -hmm. like the
0: that's amazing. I love that. A good, good story
1: I'm, of like...
0: Oh, I love it. I love it. The thumbs up. I, I think that's... <laughs> yeah. That's no so words.
1: Good. No words. Nothing. Just thumbs that's up. That's <laughs> so good. All
0: yeah. right. So, la- so my last question uh, for you, Johanna, and again, I, this is just so... Fu- this is so awesome. Um, <laughs> this is great. Is if you could convince everyone listening um, about one thing that society or the church or whatever um, gets wrong about homelessness and those who experience it. Like if you if you knew like, OK, I'm about to say something and anyone within the sound of my voice, anyone who hears this will instantly be like, yep, I agree with that. What would you say?
1: This one is a hard. This one is a hard one, because I the only thing I could like think of was kind of like what I answered earlier and was the fact that they are they are different. Um, hmm. That's and I think that's because then if you have that, then it's easy for you to put them into a box somewhere and just move it further away from you, you know. Um uh, rather than just you know, making a friend maybe, approaching mm-hmm. a person, um, seeing how they're doing, if they need anything, you know. Um anything anything that causes us not to not to go there, um, not to engage. I think it's 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 sad but i think that because that was what i had was that they're yeah. different um there are a lot of other other things like people think of uh in the states maybe they're a little different from what finnish people think but you know everything from you know they deserve it they, they've mm. done something wrong that's very common which i think it's very 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 wrong <laughs> you know that um uh, that you know yeah, that they've done something wrong. They deserve it. Um, that's one of the maybe hmm. biggest ones that I think it's it's just so um, heartbreaking because yeah. literally they're not different. It could be any one of us. Yeah. Um, and
0: that's the- and I, and if we blame and if we blame them, then we don't feel bad for not helping them.
1: No, no, because they just get what they're deserving.
0: Yeah.
1: We can just yeah. keep on keep on moving. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah that's so good well um my goodness this has been so great um i can't thank you enough uh for your time um but most of all for your friendship um i just want to the the whole um just want to real quick say that there was one time i remember very vividly when um i had just been promoted of some to some position and you had been promoted up to New York City Outreach Director and I had to go, but you couldn't drive yet. So we drove into Chelsea Park. I drove, parked the bus, and then I left you in charge so I could go work on my computer like all good bosses do, right? <laughs> uh, and uh, I, ca- I came back a few hours later and I asked Johanna, I was like, I was like "Hey, Johanna, how'd did, how did it go? How, was, how are things? And you're like, oh, it's great. I broke up a fight. And I was like, <laughs> I was like what? She's like, oh, yeah. You know, I was like, I broke up a fight. I was like, what happened? And she said, I'll never forget you telling me this. like, I just stood between him, and I knew he wouldn't hit me. So I knew as long as I stood between him, he wasn't going to hit the guy behind him. And the guy kept saying, Miss, I want you to move because I'm going to hit this guy, and I don't want to hit you. And you said, no, I'm not moving. You need to leave. I just remember in that moment, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is truly – the Finnish warrior princess <laughs> standing in the gap between two people as they're about to fight, going, "Miss, I want you to move. I don't want to hit you."
1: It's like, sorry, I didn't even remember that story. I was like, I wonder what, where is this going to go? I, I have no. But I remember I've done that in Helsinki too at least once. So <laughs> I guess it's maybe something that I do. It's it works well when you're female, you know. Usually, yeah,
0: usually, <laughs> I'll, I'll, it works. It works well until it doesn't.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> well, but I think
1: I knew I, I, in both cases, I knew the people involved at least a little bit. Yeah. So I, 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 I knew in that point and with those people, it would work.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, thank you um, for taking the time uh, to do this uh, conversation, have this conversation with me. Um, thank you for the work that you're doing. Um, just know that you have, you know, my undying respect, uh, and my appreciation, um, and my prayers. I just think the world of you and, and, and the incredible work that you're doing day in and day out. Um, so yeah, just thank you for the time. And I just can't wait to, to connect with you again in the future.
1: Definitely. And same goes for you. All those words, I feel the same about you. So back to you with that. And this was fun. Thank you so much.
0: My pleasure. we will talk again soon, Johanna. Yeah, you
1: will. Yep.
0: I am so grateful that you took the time to listen to this episode of the Neighbors With No Doors podcast. I hope you found it helpful and empowering. Just so you know, I'm releasing a book that is also going to be called Neighbors With No Doors. And I would love for you to check it out. You can find it at neighborswithnodoors.com. You can like our Facebook page or follow along on Instagram and Twitter. I'd like to thank my producer Rex Harson for helping me put this together, as well as the many guests who gave me the gift of their time and their story. Have a great day, we'll see you next time.